We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How you doing tonight? It's Ivy Nation Sports Talks Friday Rapid Fire coming to you from all points yeah. around the country. I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina for a third consecutive day. Notre Dame women finished with a win over North Carolina State in the ACC tournament earlier today. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Jesse is uh, traversing poor weather conditions in the Midwest. He is in Columbus, Ohio, and Vince is getting ready to what? Shovel, snowplow, one of the two back in Granger? I don't know. It's supposed to be like almost 50 degrees tomorrow. I'm, I think I might just let nature take its course. Everything. So all this snow tonight, and then it's going to be 50 tomorrow. Yeah, it's it, oh. it's something along, high 40s. And uh, everything got canceled for tonight. All high school basketball, everything, nothing. So I'm hunkering down, and I'm going to hope Mother Nature does the work for me. That's what I'm hoping. Man, brutal. Yeah. How are the it's, roads it's in nasty. Ohio, Jesse? Uh, roads aren't bad. It's just raining a lot, and then you have to worry about other people driving in the rain. Yeah. Is kind of the other oh, concern so you, as well. You got the Her rain. Too. You got the Her rain. Too. We got the snow. So it's, it's all right. Beautiful. Well, I uh, met a couple more Irish breakdown listeners slash viewers at the game today at the Greensboro Coliseum. Nice. Two different guys, uh, Paul Privatera and Matt Huffman, both came up and introduce themselves. So good to see you guys if you're watching nice. tonight. Good to see them. Always always glad to hear it and and uh saw both of them, or, you know, everyone, you know, up on the show and then I even had someone else make a reference to watching the show today. So right. it's it's everywhere is what it is. Touching all points. <laughs> so uh D-Rock just left a Utah podcast interesting to see here the latest on the pac-12 fiasco i think we're gonna have to save that for monday because if i the the topics kind of started coming in late in the afternoon when i was already at the game there's all this stuff going on i think that we could hit i could have jammed about 10 more topics into this show today if i wanted to but we'll leave it with where we're at what do you think i have no idea what you're talking about so i i crawl under a rock when I go into work. So I have no idea what the big, I mean, there, there is of, new big 12 okay. annexation of potential PAC 12 team talk. Oh, going on. interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, let's just start with this. We've got the NFL combine 
going on. And former Notre Dame safety Brandon Joseph said at the Combine that Tobias Merriweather will be the next top wide receiver for the Fighting Irish. So give me a prediction. What do you think Merriweather's season is going to look like in 2023? I'll start it off. I think that uh, Merriweather obviously has a breakout year compared to um, last season. And I, I'm looking at kind of around the the 60 reception mark, 50 to 60 reception mark, um, and, and close to like a 800, 900 cumulative yards. I don't know if wow. he'll get to 1,000. I don't think he'll <laughs> eclipse 1,000. Um, but, I mean, you got Sam Hartman. We all know that his game is throwing the ball. Um, you have a new offensive coordinator, and you have a, an offense that is prone for a wide receiver to step up. And I think that Merriweather has the frame and the makeup of you know past successful wide receivers at Notre Dame, those kind of bigger-bodied, like uh, like Michael Floyd, um, like Jeff Samarja, like um, Miles Boykin, just tall, kind of bigger wide receivers. I don't know if he's quite as physical, but he's got the body makeup to go up and get those balls. So. I'm going to go around 800, 900 yards, 60 receptions, which is about five receptions a game, and somewhere around eight or nine touchdowns uh, by the end of the season. So that's where I stand. I, I think he's going to be that kind of home run hitter guy the next bold year. bold prediction. That is a bold prediction there, uh, <laughs> JS. I, I'm not going to be quite as bold. I think he'll be around the, the 35 to 40 reception uh, area. Five touchdowns, maybe six hundred fifty yards. You know, receiving. I think that would be a great year for him. Uh, I think that. I think this is going to be a little bit of a different looking Notre Dame offense as far as from a passing standpoint is concerned. I think that Sam Hartman is not going to marry himself to one or two receivers, and I think in the past. That's not a bold prediction, Jess. I think now it is. I see Sam Hartman spreading the ball around a little bit more. There's only so many guys that can get the ball. And so I think everybody raises their game a little bit. Tobias Merriweather may be the most of all, but at the same time, I don't think he eclipses and gets you know quite as high as you think. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that Notre Dame's leading wide receiver, Lorenzo Styles, 30 receptions for 340 yards last year, 11.3 per catch. Now, obviously, you had some other guys like Jaden Thomas stretched the field a little bit more. He was up around 14 and a half yards per catch and, you know, that that kind of stuff. But obviously we know it was very inconsistent when you've got your tight end leading your offense. We don't expect the tight end to be leading the offense and receptions and yardage Agreed. anymore because, you know, the potential first round guy is off to the NFL now. We're going to talk about him in a second here as well. I'm going to say, like, as I was listening to Jesse, there was there was some of what he was saying that I agreed with. I'm going to say 35 receptions, which, again, would be more than what Lorenzo Styles had as the leading wide receiver last year, and around 650, you know, between 650 and 700 yards, which puts him in, like, the 18 and a half yards per catch range, which I think for a guy like Tobias yeah. Merriweather, that's what you're looking for because what you're like, he's the guy you want to stretch the field a little bit more. Other guys can work in, in different capacities. Jaden Thomas can still stretch it. But again, like between Chris Tyree and Diggs and all these, you know, different running backs, I, I just, I, you know, like, I don't know what exactly we're going to get from this receiving group. They're, they're not just going to come out obviously and start slinging it around because Marcus Freeman, as we found out during this offensive coordinator process, Still values running the football. So that's going to be a big staple, but they're not just going to ground and pound, I don't think. I think that you get Sam Hartman, you expect him to test the boundaries a little bit more. So I think 35 between 650 and 700, that's, that's a pretty a great good year. That's nice, a, wouldn't you think? How many touchdowns? Uh, I'll say six. Oh, okay. All right. I'm right there with you. I, I'm I'm right in that neighborhood with you. So. I wish we would keep a log of all of these kind of questions, <laughs> so then we can revisit them and see who the lucky winner is at the end. Got to got to keep score. I um, have a feeling. Yeah, I mean, what's it, the point? I have an inkling that we might do an entire show dedicated to predictions, Ooh. and then we can write them all down because I yeah. think that's a great idea. The funny thing is, we did that last year. I, I remember we did like a we predicted like what where all the receptions were going to go, and then we never revisited it after the fact. But I'll we tell you this. It. They were all tell wrong. Tell you this. That's right. And if I remember right, Vince had, like, all these massive numbers for it everybody. Is. Like, everyone <laughs> was going to get, like, 40 catches, you know, 500 crazy. It was yards. ridiculous. And, <laughs> yeah, that's and right. then Tyler Buckner got hurt, and we had a guy with a noodle arm, and it didn't work out too well. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Question number two tonight. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Isaiah Foskey ran a 4.58.40 time at the Combine last night. It's ridiculous that that time got him the sixth best of all the defensive linemen. That's what was ridiculous because that is a great time for a defensive lineman, and there were still five guys that were faster than him. You're telling That's me a, a 4.39.40 is... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> That's unbelievable. Like, How does that even happen? I know. Just, and then you got you got Georgia, who's got also a four four eight. They had two guys basically running sub four eights on their defensive line last year. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's insane, and that's that's why they're so good. You know, you get you get a couple more of those guys on Notre Dame's defensive front. <laughs> now you're game changing. You know, yes. 
Absolutely. I mean, it, the, the numbers that that Isaiah Foskey put up today were ridiculous, right? He's 6'5", 264. He's got 34-inch arms, a 4.58 in the 40, a 34-inch vertical, and a 10.5 broad jump. I think I have him in everything but the 40. <laughs> and I think he had 22 reps uh, at 250. You, gonna, you there as well? Hey, <laughs> I, I you've got him when, when Isaiah's – Wearing ankle weights and wrist weights, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, when he's resistance training. That's right. <laughs> no, but it's it's day. ridiculous that he he was able to run a four or five eight. And I think it's it, and I, I also want to say it's kind of like an added advantage because to me, the defensive end position, like you don't have to be a blazer in the 40, but it helps you, obviously, because sure. I mean Joey Bosa is one of the best defensive players in the game, and he ran about a four nine forty. So Again, defensive end, I don't think it means tremendously, but it, it's never a bad thing to run a fast 40. Like that's no one's going to look at you and, and knock you for running a fast 40. So for where he plays, I think it's great because it'll help him, you know, maybe get up a, uh, or be kind of quicker off the edge until he kind of read or sorry, refines his skill set and, and moves as a true defensive end. And I think his speed can often, you know, bridge that gap in, in, in his lack of technical moves. And so until then, I think the speed is definitely uh, something that's going to help him. And then, you know, talking about other defensive 40s, I mean, there's the guy from freaking North Northwestern that 285 and he's running a 449. It's just I think it's just overall incredible how fast these guys run today comparatively. And I don't know about you guys, but speed and mass don't go well together for whoever's on the other end. Yeah. I just noticed that my battery, I don't have my computer plugged in. And remember, Uh-oh. Vince, we had the issue the other night. So I'm probably going to have to. Uh, grab the power here in a minute, and I might have to log back, you know, log out. And it did not go well last in. time. You, yes, you, you started exactly. talking like a robot, and it was, but uh, I mean, it bad news. It's, it's obviously nuts, but you know, like Marshall saying, you know, Nolan Smith is 30 pounds lighter than Foskey. I mean, the NFL doesn't care, you know, like all they care about is can you get to the quarterback? <laughs> you know, it's like you can, there's a lot of different body types that play out there on the edge. The bottom line is can you get to the quarterback? And you're right. You know, like 40 time is not necessarily predictive of how good you are, you know, because obviously for, for a guy who's playing on the edge, it's about, you know, the, the shorter burst, like, what are you, you know, like what's your, your, your 10 yard burst off the line, that kind of thing. But Foskey has all the tools and he showed a lot of them last night. 40 time is obviously just, it, you know, it's, it's really good, but it's also expected for a guy who's built like Isaiah Foskey, I think. Right. I'm not taking any away from him. I'm just saying, built like Isaiah Foskey, you kind of expect some of that. Okay, so when asked at the Combine what part of his game is underrated, Michael Mayer said, I don't think any part of my game is underrated. Do you guys buy or sell this? I buy his confidence, but I don't buy the answer in front of the combine necessarily because I don't think that you should be projecting that you are this guy that has nothing to work on. I think a lot of teams want to see the the hunger and kind of dedication to get a little, you know, to get better. And so I buy his confidence and I buy that overall he's probably the he not probably he is the most complete tight end in the draft, but there's always something to work on, Vince, at least in my opinion. Well, I'm not saying there isn't anything to work on, but I the way I took this question and the way I took his answer is when he said none of his game is underrated, he doesn't rate his own game. It's the people, it's the media, it's the scouts, it's the whatever 
And they're the ones that underrate him. And he's saying, nope, they got me rated perfectly. Like, that's the way I looked at it. Now, he's an incredibly confident guy. And obviously, I have no problem with that. I think confidence is a good thing. I, I this is a This is a huge buy for me. There's no doubt about it. I think that he is, he's reading the clippings, man. He's reading the newspaper clippings and people are high on him. And he's like, yeah, they're right. No, I'm not underrated in any way. I, I'm fine with that. I, I think he's speaking to what everybody else thinks about him, not his own, not what he thinks. We good here? My my audio good? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Plugged in, powered up, ready to go. I mean, so this Jesse is sells, just... I buy, you got to break the tie. So I, I forgot what the question was. Uh, <laughs> was Michael Mayer. I don't think any part of my game is is underrated. Do I buy or sell that? I buy it as well like Tommy Guns is saying his receiving ability is underrated I don't know how it can be considering he, he was their leading receiver for the last three years like how it you know like I, I think that this is just vintage Michael Mayer though like when when I logged out I heard Jesse you know talking about essentially the confidence and maybe even borderline cockiness or overconfidence that is exactly who Michael Mayer is after his freshman year Going into, I think it was spring the next year, I asked him if, you know, after having such a huge freshman year, if he surprised himself at all. And his answer was pretty similar to this. He was like, no, I expected this all along. This is what I'm here for, you know? And I think that that's, it, it carries now as he goes into the NFL. Michael Mayer knows who he is. He knows the ability that he, that he has. And he, he, you know, he expects to be one of the top, tight ends you know like this doesn't necessarily go to his question but to me the question is still and i'll be curious to see what his testing ends up being tonight but the biggest question i think like there's some people who have questions about his blocking i think he'll do just fine as a blocker you know like when when you look at at his ability to find those spots in the zone just his ability he's got those that innate skill absolutely he knows how to get open on a field that is there the biggest question I think is is going to be like if you're going to compare him to guys like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and right. you know the the burst you know like we were just talking about the burst in the forty time I'll be curious to see what his forty time ends up being now again it's not the end all be all because he is a tight end and he's a pretty big bodied tight end but how does it compare you know once when you go to the next level his ability you know to to kind of continue to get downfield. A little bit more with with the quick twitchier kind of guys you know how does he compare to them i think that the, the biggest question for mayor in this draft is you know who who drafts him and schematically what does their offense look like and i'm not saying that he can't play in any offense but i think there's offenses that suit him a little bit better than other offenses because i think he it can be an inline blocking tight end i think he can release from the line of scrimmage and make catches as a tight end and i also think he could split out in the slot and line up as a tight end but I don't think he should be that guy that is like Ke- or sorry, like Kelsey, um, where where he's just primarily, you know, K- Kelsey's kind of primarily used as a wide receiver sometimes, even though he's wide receiver, right? right he even though he's not, line. not not that not even though he's you know a tight end by position. And I think if there's a biggest concern about Mayer's game is, and I don't think he should be asked to do this, is to go out and constantly have to try to break off cornerbacks with his burst. And his moves because I do think he's a big enough frame where he can shield off those guys, but I just don't know how much separation he's going to generate um, as a, a pure lining up as a slot. So that'd be my only thing with with Michael Mayer. But I, and I think 
since he's a tight end, right? What do I look for if I'm looking for a tight end, if I'm an NFL team? Can you get open in what tight ends do? Can you run a corner? Can you find the, the soft spot in the zone? Can you do those different things? And how are your hands? Like, that's all I care about. Frontline speed isn't necessarily as important to me when it comes to being a tight end. I mean, it is what it is. He's going to get open. He's going to make the play. Is he going to be able to outrun corners? There's not a whole lot of tight ends out there that can do that, right? So can he do what a normal tight end is asked to do and then beyond? I think he can. And I think he's going to make whatever team that drafts him very, very happy in the long run. Oh, so do I. Like, uh, I still think that he's going to be a really good tight end. But, like, you look at, like, my comp for Michael Mayer is more Jason Witten, you know, than Travis Kelsey or Gronkowski or any, you know, like Gronkowski is probably the biggest hybrid, you know, kind of blend of all of them. But, again, you know, like, just between the body type and his innate abilities, you know, all those intangibles that we talked about, knowing how to get open, all those things. To me, it's more Jason Witten than it is Kelsey or, or Kittle or, you know, Gronk and, and those kind of guys. But the game has also transitioned quite a bit. Like there were a lot more guys like Jason Witten just 10 years ago as were, you know, as now they're much more along the lines sure. of Kelsey and Kittle and those guys. Oh, Michael Mayer is a throwback. I mean, there's no doubt right. about it. He, he I think he's a kind all. of a perfect hybrid of now and throwback. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And and his blocking at the beginning of the season wasn't good. Right. But he got better and better and better as the season went on. He proved that he can do it if need be, right? He can be in line. He can get off the line. He can block. He can do what he needs to do. And he look, was it a motivation thing? I, I don't know. But he got a thousand times better from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So he can do it. It'll be very interesting to see who drafts him and what kind of offense. Like Jesse said, I think that's going to go a long way to how we look at him in the future and for the next 10 years, right? right. Is, is what kind of offense he's going to be in. A couple good comments, questions on this. Tommy Gunn says, what does it mean for part of his game to be underrated, though? That's not adding him what he thinks he needs to work on. And like, that's not asking him what he thinks. Oh, he asking him. On. Okay. Yeah. yeah I and think that's then what he meant. And then David says, since the talk has been supposedly on his athleticism, I'm surprised he didn't say that's underrated. I think he probably, you know, if if he really truly thinks that, which he probably doesn't, <laughs> knowing him, but if he if he did think that, I don't think he would say that out loud so that he's not, you know, putting some kind of negative thought into any NFL executive minds about him. But what like to Tommy's point though, what does it mean for part of his game? to be underrated what do you guys think i mean it's it's asking they're they're asking him to pick himself apart and i mean this is the one big giant job interview and we've all been in job interviews before and people ask you you know what can you what are your strengths what are your weaknesses right i always had a hard time coming up with what my weaknesses are because what what do you want to you want a list of like everything i'm terrible at so you can't hire me for the job like that that I don't like that question. Uh, I realize why they ask it, but I don't like it, and I like the way that he answered it. Like, yeah. I'm not going to give you any of my weaknesses. Like, that's yeah. not that, that's for you guys to decide. And right. I agree with that too because I think it's a nice way of asking what are your weaknesses, essentially by just by flipping right, right. it and saying, exactly. you know, what is what is underrated about your game. But again, I also don't believe that he thinks he has any weaknesses. Which no, uh, and I absolutely. think that it's great to exude that kind of confidence. <laughs> that's right, especially at the combine, and I think that. 
for him, it just allows him to elevate kind of his game. I think it kind of gets him a little more amped up for, you know, producing at the combine, essentially. Yeah. We are not Marshall says some of his game is similar to Tony Gonzalez. And I would agree with that. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. Gonzalez was, you know, may, maybe a little bit more athletic because he had the, the basketball background back to when he was playing sure. basketball at Cal in college. But I think that those guys are very similar because then, you know, like Alex says, I, I think he plays way more athletic than Witten, to be honest. And two things, two points that I would make about that. Like, the end of Jason Witten's career is probably what most people think about him right now. When like he had lost a couple <laughs> of steps and he was basically, you throw him the ball, he was not going to get any yak. He was going to get tackled right at the spot. He was going to sit down in zones. That's exactly right. right. Sit in the yep. zone, make the catch. There was zero speed left. You know, So that was like, Witten was a little bit more athletic at the start and kind of coupled with that, you have to remember now, you're looking at Jason, any of these tight ends, we're talking about them in their NFL careers and how they compare to uh, with other NFL players on the field. You know, Michael Mayer, if you were just going to look at game film, you would probably say, well, heck yeah, you know, he he's maybe more athletic. And he might be still a little bit more athletic than Witten. But my point is, right now you're still comparing him on field to other college players where you expect him to look like the most dominant guy on the field you know, 95% of the time. So there's, there's, there's going to be that, you know, that kind of translation as you go to the NFL yeah. where it's not going to look completely the same. Mm -hmm. All right. Is he better than, is Mayer better than Cole Komet? And this is something that was kind of in the back of my head. I do think he is. Yep. I do too. And, I do you know, again, so like too. when you look at athleticism and all these different things, I, I do think that, that it's a couple steps ahead of Cole Komet coming out of college. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I do. And I think Cole Komet's a really good tight end in the NFL. And that should tell you right there where we think that Michael Mayer is going to be seated in the NFL as far as like, you know, ranking them and all of that. I I love Cole Komet. I, obviously, he plays for the Bears, so I love him even more. <laughs> but, I mean, he's a really good tight end. I think Michael Mayer's better. So that tells you where we think he is. Right. All right. So as we move along... There was a Marcus Freeman sighting at the mm -hmm. ACC Women's Basketball Tournament today. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Freeman flew to Greensboro, North Carolina today, along with Jack Swarbrick, to watch the Notre Dame women's basketball team beat North Carolina State in the ACC tournament. It's clear he doesn't like the snow. That's what it is. <laughs> no. I think it's awesome, frankly, that he, he went out of his way. I mean, he did. He went out of his way to follow the women's basketball team, the LIV, et cetera. And he's been at a bunch of the home games. I don't think he's ever been on the road before. And this is huge. I mean, this is a, this, that's a big step to make. I mean, no other football coach is following the women's basketball team to their conference championship, not even the conference championship game. It's the opening round for Notre Dame and he's down there. And I, I think it's awesome. Uh, I hope he's not ignoring the three guys that are getting NFL looks right now that are on his staff. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's awesome. I think it's 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 great to see the camaraderie between him and the LIV and his support for the women's basketball team. Yeah, it, to me, it shows I, I, I a lot of what Vince was saying. I, it shows the camaraderie and I think the respect that he has for Neil Ivy and the, the program. And I think that he has realized that, you know, women's basketball – 
has been the most successful program in Notre at Notre Dame, you know, over the last two decades. I know you could bring up fencing or whatever, but like the most well known program in Notre Dame's, you know, at Notre Dame in the in the last two decades. So I think it's fair that he shows his respect, and I, I think it shows, you know, that these these coaches support each other, and I think it shows again the, the respect and the dynamic of a relationship that he has with Neil Ivy, Neil, Neil Ivy because you don't just fly anywhere as, as a, you know, the head football coach, and especially when it's just the opening round of the ACC tournament. If I was going to start a list of things that Brian Kelly would never do, flying to Greensboro, <laughs> oh North Carolina, goodness. to watch the women's basketball team in the ACC tournament would be at the top of the list. Yes. You know? It's a and, little different than what we've been used to over the last decade. That's exactly right. And that's, I was shocked when I heard that he was coming in. I was like, really? And then, you know, a little bit later, he's coming down the steps and fun, fun story here, because I guess he was coming in. There was some confusion on the part of the staff at the ACC tournament, and they apparently didn't really understand who he was. <laughs> and they thought that he was Neil Ivey's husband. And oh. there was a, like, here's a pass for Neil's. And the, there's a lot of apologies apparently were issued after that but uh yeah so, i mean he probably got to go to her seat if he was you know the husband so i mean yeah you know it is yeah. what it is but it was pretty cool i mean and you know like looking across from him he's sitting behind the bench kind of not straight across but a little bit diagonally from us and it's like one of the most engaged guys in the whole room you know like marcus freeman shows up and he is dialed in to the women's bat and it's not it, like he didn't wait for the championship game. It wasn't right. even a semifinal game. It was a quarterfinal game on a Friday afternoon. It's gonna be and there all weekend, just hanging out, I guess. I mean, now that I don't know. I think they might be trying to to fly because I know that the Jack Swarbrick. I think because there's hockey, I believe, in South Bend tonight, right? I there think is. that, that Swarbrick was trying to get back for that for the Big which Ten. Which makes sense. So. That would make sense. Yeah, they, I think it's the Big Ten tournament tonight. <laughs> yeah, we are not Marshall. Did BK even know Notre Dame had a women's basketball no. team? I think from time to time he might have shown up, you know, like, you know, like made sure that his face was seen, sat down, watched a half, and then took off, you know, that kind of thing. But much that's the thing. Marcus Freeman shows up as a genuine fan, and right. I, you could tell that he's like, and he brings his family, like, right? He's yeah, interested yeah. in and invested in what's going on and the outcome and those sort of things. He's not just there to you know, show face, eat a hot dog and leave. David, David must've been uh, watching yesterday. Cause he says, notice that freshly made bed behind Sean did housekeeping. Leave a mint on the <laughs> Housekeeping uh -huh. showed up today when I was gone, they did not show up for like a day and a half. And so there was a pile of trash. I came home. All the dirty towels were gone. All the trash was gone. I was like, yes. <laughs> I wish people knew the throwback days of you and Sluggo slumming in the hotels. Oh, my gosh. Those were the days. The uh, the threesome at the College World Series. <laughs> this is a much better hotel. But I will say this. Like, and you know me, like, I don't like to complain about free food, but the the food that we have been served at this hotel is so bad. I cannot even oh, believe really? how bad it is. It is like, it might be a step below hospital food. It is so bad. Wow. Just, that's my, that's my food rant. So that's not, maybe, you, you know, they got too many teams there. Mass production trying to cook it, crank it all out might be an issue. Are all, the, are all the teams in the same hotel? 
not all of them, but I, there were at least four in this one. And actually, right. the Rutgers baseball team is here in this thing as well. And this is like, I think I can't remember if I said this the other. This is there are two different towers in this hotel, and it's like okay. a convention center as well. The tower that we're in is 28 stories high, and I'm on the 24th floor. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, there's like all kinds of stuff going on. There's like a there's like, like a dance competition that's going on here. Like wow. you go through kind of the hallway where these different smaller conference rooms are, and there's like there's like a uh, what do you call it? You know the the VR or whatever. You know like oh, the virtual well, reality stuff. Like there's a whole room gaming. full of people walking around with virtual reality, and there was like a textbook convention going on, and all kinds of stuff here. Wow. Yeah. A little e gaming action there going on there, buddy. <laughs> yes. Look at you. <laughs> um, the MRE might have been better. Salty. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you've never heard me complain about definitely better than what I had tonight. I will tell you that it was like it it was like going to one of those rubber chicken banquets, you know, like that was the kind of food we got tonight. Man, yeah, and I don't like to complain about free food, but it was. I think you've been there's a bonefish actually across the parking lot. I went there last night because of when the show was. I couldn't get down to the meal last night. Bonefish was on point. I was. I was. I I think. I think you've been treated too well this whole year. I think that's what it is. (laughs) That's. You just can't come back down to the common people. Yeah, it's spoiled. I'm not the only one who's who's noted it. (laughs) I'm sure. uh, I won't rat anyone else who's complaining. So, cocaine bear approves this message. All right, so on a scale of 1 to 10, after the Notre Dame women beat NC State today, tomorrow, Notre Dame-Louisville, round three. Scale of 1 to 10, how much you guys are looking forward to it in the ACC semifinals. I, 10. It's off the charts for me. Sorry, I stepped on you, Jesse. I apologize. <laughs> uh, it's a 10 for me. I've watched the first two games start to finish. They were great games, obviously. Notre Dame won both of them. They were both tight. We had a last second shot, you know, in the one. And then Sonia Citron decided to become Superwoman in the second one. And she's going to have to do it again because she had, what, 20 plus points today. 28. Great game. 28 she points. Up the ante today. After scoring 27 yeah. Sunday, she scored 28 today. She's going to have to have a really good game because Louisville, I don't want to say they have Notre Dame's number, but they match up really well with Notre Dame. And potentially without Olivia Miles, I know they said she's day to day. So potentially without Olivia Miles, Sonia Citron's going to have to step up big time. And, and if she has another game like she did today, the Irish are moving on. Yep. Yeah, so this game for me is again is like Vince said, it's a ten out of ten, and and for a lot of reasons. First of all, it's the semifinal, so obviously you win, you get to go to the championship, um, and and then the next thing is is you know there's just kind of like underlying rivalry, uh, especially this season with Notre Hell Dame yeah. and Louisville, and so I just hope it, it's always hard to play a team three times in one season. It's always hard when you're going back and forth, and there's kind of things off the court between teams. And it always hurts when you lose, you know, potentially the ACC player of the year for a- another game. And so I think Sonia Citron is going to have to step it up. She's going to have to shoulder the load. And I think if they want to win, you're going to have to see a near 30 point performance out of Sonia Citron because I think she needs to handle majority of it. And, you know, I was talking to you yesterday, dad, and I was curious about, you know, what the pace of game would look like. And I think that's what's, what Citron has to be most um, cognizant of against Louisville because I don't think Notre Dame 
is going to want to go, you know, toe to toe and kind of go for these shootout type of games. And so I, I think that Citron has to be kind of paced about her game uh, and, and be able to score when she wants to and really kind of be a game manager uh, overall. Yeah. You know, Jess, you mentioned what you hear all the time. Oh, it's so tough to beat a team three times in one season. So what does that make it to beat a, the same team three times in 16 days? Yeah, this and now it's a neutral site, too. And this, but this is going to be the third meeting between these two teams in the last 16 days yeah. tomorrow. That's it's crazy. just insane. And obviously, the first one went to overtime. Miles wins it, so they win that by two. The last one went right down to the wire. They win that one by three. And then, like you said, now they're on a neutral court. There's no Olivia Miles you know, potentially for, for this whole game as, as she continues to be day to day. But, uh, you know, I kind of came into this thing looking at them as the number four seed and they ended up there because Florida state blew their last game. And if, I guess there was a chance they would have ended up here anyway, because Florida state, I don't know if you guys saw this Florida state lost to wake forest yesterday. Wake was down by 20. They went on a 26 to nothing run wow. and beat Florida state yesterday so we've already seen some craziness here today's game just like it felt tight the whole time it was tight the whole time and it was physical all game yeah. and you know nc state and their defense they're a really good defensive team they well imagine they, having to play a team that's 20 and 10 in the quarterfinals I right think that that that's indicative and the of three-time defending acc yeah. champs nc state had won three straight acc right, tournaments and that's four pete yeah exactly saw that but Citron literally with her 28 points, you know, she and Miles coming into today's game combined to average 28 and a half points. So, like you talk about she's got to pick clip. up the slack. She literally, you know, scored for both of them. Yeah. <laughs> these last couple games. And they're gonna have to lean on her. I mean, the yeah. rest I mean, of the way. If she doesn't go above 25, I think it's gonna be a struggle for them to win. I think she's gotta be at least 25 and above, kind of as yeah. long as Miles is day to day. Yeah, uh, Maddie Westfeld had a good game though today as well. She ended up with a double double, fifteen points and ten rebounds, and she scored the last seven points of the first half, including a three with about nine seconds left that gave them a three point lead. It was their their only lead of the second quarter, and they kind of built off that momentum. And they kind of mm -hmm. they they switched the rotation up a little bit in the second half as well, move the ball a lot better than they did in the first half. I don't want to dig too far deep into the X's and O's, but two years ago, I did a couple of games with you, and Maddie Westbell was, what, a freshman, I believe, and there was a lot of pressure on her to score and to do a lot of different things, and she put the team on her back more than yeah. one occasion, right? And she hasn't had to do that since Olivia Miles showed up, right? She's going to have to do a little bit more offensively and she's going to have to do a little bit more defensively. And, you know, I think her role is going to have to expand as well. We know she can do it. We've seen her do it. She just kind of just sits back and kind of does her thing and, you know, is is uh, an important part of the team. But I think now is an as a prime example. She did it today, but a prime time for her to step up more offensively and to be someone that they can count on to make a shot at clutch times. Yeah. David says, notice when Citron is at point, must not be confident dribbling her left because she constantly turned back to dribble with the right. I mean, NC State was forcing her that direction, you know, so that's except for when know. she had a killer crossover and went to her left and took the girl right to the hole. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's exactly right 
as well. But, you know, she's not used to being the point. The ball is in her sure. hands a lot more, but she handles the ball really well. You know, she had a couple turnovers, but she also had a new season high with with five assists today. It's, you know, it's it's something new for her. And obviously playing without Olivia, you know, this is the first game in the last two years they've played without Olivia Miles in the starting lineup. So, yeah. Something that they've got to adjust to, but they did. Citron had a great game and and yep. a great team effort. I just like I've never been, you know, one of these defensive junkies, but like like watching Notre Dame the way they can take over some games yeah. with their defense, especially late. It's it's uh it's a habit that they have and it's it's become fun watching. I Thank think goodness. it's 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 a good thing too that they kind of because you don't know when Miles is is going to be back being day to day. And so when I think it's nice that they kind of have these kind of higher stake against some pretty solid teams before the tournament starts. Um, and you can, you know, kind of tinker with like what you're talking about defensively, what you're going to do. And then, you know, the cohesiveness of, of the team with Citron running the point, I think it allows for things to kind of unravel and work the work themselves out uh, before the tournament starts. This is a, it, it, this is totally off topic, but Michael said Lent Friday, where's the best fish sandwich? Casey. But- I just well, I, I just thought about the you know, I was talking about the hotel food and it is Lent Friday and it's Notre Dame hmm. and the team meal, they've got chicken breast of course. set up down there. So I didn't think we had we had salmon a couple nights ago. <laughs> but Knights of Columbus. Yeah. Knights of Columbus. That's the yeah. best fish fry you can get. David says the early enrollee Kassan Prosper has been uh, playing really good defense. She has she is so long going to be a big factor tomorrow. This is my prediction, and I told Neil Ivy this today. A year from now, I think we're going to be talking about Kassan Prosper as the ACC's defensive player of the year with a full season under yeah. her belt. That's what I think. That's that's my prediction for a year from now. She's so long and so athletic. Yep. Yep. All right. How about the men's basketball team? Of course, they beat Pitt the other night in their Mike Bray's Purcell Crazy. Pavilion finale. Does beating Pittsburgh give you hope that the Irish men can make a run in the ACC tournament next week? You know, since you were man enough to make the bet that you made, you get to go first on this one. You want to tell everybody your bet, Jesse? Yeah, I should have put more on it. I laid around uh, like $60 to $70 on Mike Bray to win that game at home in his final home game. And I came out victorious. You know, I did. I, I sniffed it coming. I just didn't think with all of those seniors <laughs> with it Bray's last game. I just think that they I I, I thought they were going to find a way to win. And it's not like Pittsburgh is like this overarching, you know, dominant force in the ACC. And that's going to kind of lead me into what I'm about to say now is I don't think the ACC is nearly as strong as it's been in the past. So there's a lot more parity. And when you sure. show that you can beat a team that's in the top three of the ACC at the end of the season, and, you know, play a little bit of Mike Bray ball, I, I definitely think there is a chance. And, and them kind of showing that performance does give me a little bit of hope that they can make a run in this ACC tournament. Because you look at the top of the ACC, I mean, Virginia's 22 and 6. And, and yeah, Virginia's good, but some nights they come out and look awful if they can't make shots. Uh, Pitt, and you know, is up there. Duke is up there. When's the last time North Carolina, you know, finished 7 at the end of the regular season? So, I, to me, there's just a lot of parity, and I think that there's an opportunity – even if it's small, I do have a little bit of hope that they can make a run. So the question is, is there hope? My answer is no. I don't I don't see any hope <laughs> about anything moving forward with Notre Dame. I don't see them doing much in the ACC championship. I, 
I don't know. I, I've I've watched too many games this year. What do they win? Three total games in the ACC. They're gonna have to win four to win the championship. I think is that right? Four or five? No yeah. chance. Zero chance. I don't even know if they win one game. If I'm being Let's see honest. The one. Oh come on. Nah, yeah, they I'm would sorry. have to win five games five. in the uh, ACC tournament. <laughs> Almost have to double their ACC win total uh, in a week. To win the ACC championship, you tell me there's not like a little bit of a slimmer of hope Zero. after seeing that pick. They're game? terrible. They are not good. They don't play well as a team. If they're not knocking down from three, they're never going to win. I, I don't know what happened the other night. I was in shock as I was watching. It, it. was the Mike Bray effect. That's why I bet on the it. Mike Bray effect. What are you talking about? His last game at Purcell, like that is oh, a thing. Mean. That's a <laughs> yeah. thing. The players know Dude. that they want to send him off. There is an, an an increased level of let's play well because this is our That's, coach of 23 years at Notre Dame's last It would have been nice here. if they had that. Now, I'll give them some credit. You know, like they were in some games with some good teams that they couldn't quite finish off. But at the same time, it's like, why couldn't you finish? You know, like. Yeah, why couldn't they do that all year? Like, you know it's going to be head? his last year. Where's your head in February when you went right. over February? <laughs> yes. <You know? laughs> they lost at the end of January. March 1st rolls around. They beat Pittsburgh. You know, but like where 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 was all that at that point when you're when you're grinding things out in February? I'll just say, like, I realize this is my question, but let's talk. Let's see if they can beat Clemson first, because if they can beat <laughs> Clemson to close out the regular season, That's that would be their first back-to-back wins since they were playing all those non-conference puds at the start of the season when they when they won like four in a row or something like that. They have not won back-to-back games since then. Since, so, since 2023 is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Pretty close to it. I don't know for sure. But, I mean, they're just – and, and Michael Johnson actually makes a really good point. They have no inside game. It's all threes. You can't build a team on that. You no, can't. Because I mean, that's, that's just, Yeah. I mean, that's, I know that's my That's, that's my gray ball, by the way, is all threes and no inside game. Well, now let's, let's, let's tamp that down a little bit. You know, like they had guys like Ryan Humphrey. They had, you know, like they had Jack Cooley. Yeah, they had a lot of Bonzi Colson. They've they've had big men, you know. That was that was like there part of the deal. It's it's like you still, you know, you have a a big man, but you're going to play four out quite a bit. Like Vince wants to criticize it, but you want to criticize it a lot. <laughs> he won a lot of games. I mean, he won more games than anybody in Notre Dame history playing that was, style. And he was also the longest tenured coach, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so now we're going to use the tenure against him. Oh, <laughs> it's true. Tenure. If I stayed I got at, twenty if years, I, if I stayed at, if I stayed at Riley for twenty years, I'd be the winningest head coach too. Like oh. that doesn't mean anything. It's, come on. I'm sorry. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Look, Mike Bray did a lot for Notre Dame basketball. I will never take that away from him. It just became too much stick for me. His tenure became too much about shtick, and it got old. Yeah. We'll circle back. To uh to the women's basketball, David asked, "What was the foul that was in question then deemed intentional on Ebo in the last minute?" Vince, were you watching by any chance? Were you able to watch? I was on, on and TV? off. I had it kind of okay. on in the background, so I did not actually see it. <clears throat> so there was like a minute, a little under a minute to play, and there was like a missed. I think it was a missed free throw, and Ebo kind of pushed a girl in the back. Okay, and they initially did not call a foul on the floor, and then they went to replay. And they ended up calling an intentional foul on Ebo, which meant that Louisville got, or not Louisville, NC State, I was thinking red and black, NC State mm-hmm. got two shots and the ball, which, you know, like made things potentially a little bit more dicey. I've I've never seen anything like, I didn't, I've, I've never, never seen, seen a foul called like that. No, yeah. like usually there has to be an actual foul called on the floor first, and then you go to replay to determine you know, if it's intentional or flagrant or whatever. I've never seen a non-call on the floor, and then they decide it's an intentional foul when going to instant replay. It's the first time I've seen that. That's wild. Yeah. So that's what it was. There was kind of a push in the back, and, and they called Ebo. I mean, I I can, you know, I can see that they probably should have called a foul. Like, intent, you know, like, the way officials determine intent I don't get because, you know, like when you're under a minute to play or, you know, like in, in the, yeah, you know, let's say you're, you're under a minute to play and it's like a two possession game or a three position game, possession game, you're playing defense and now you're fouling, you know, like you see these players reach out and grab the other player, you know, by the Jersey, by the uniform, or even by the arm. It happened in the Louisville game last week. Well, right. They don't by call definition, that intentional. that's intentional, you know, yes. like what are the degrees of intent that we have to kind of parse right. out here? You know, so my favorite is when referees try to decide what the intent of a player was. That's that that's always my favorite. Yeah. Let's shift to some baseball. Fill in the blank. It's blank that a Boston Red Sox base runner scored from second base on a sack fly to center field in a spring training game this week. I would say that's outrageous. And I think that's just bad baseball. There's no reason barring any errors that a guy should be able to score from second base like these are mlb baseball players you should be one be able to get the ball in and two if he's that fast you should be able to have an arm that's still relatively going to get the ball to the plate like that's a long way to go to just tag up on a fly ball so that's you know, cool. i've never seen that happen in, in real life and i've played a lot of baseball games and i've watched a lot of baseball games as well so i'm just gonna say that that's just bad baseball and just overall outrageous look i've i've seen a lot of spring training games and, and, and there's some, there's some not great baseball being played granted. Right. I've coached a decent amount. I played a decent amount. As Jesse said, I don't care how bad you are. Okay. If the catch was made in center field, that means no matter how big the outfield is, if the catch was made and the guy is on the base, when the catch is made, the fact that he was able to run 180 feet, turning to his left before they could get the ball in to the infield is ridiculous. <laughs> I've had some people that are terrible baseball players. K 
can still like three hop the cutoff man and do all kinds of other things and still not let a player score from second base on a sacrifice fly. That is so sad. See, you guys are looking at it the wrong way because I guess like I'm I'm looking at it from the the runner at second base. I think it's freaking awesome that you know <laughs> like he never broke stride and you know like Jesse, you you were around me enough, you know, coaching. This would have been one of my dream plays if any of my players would have ever had the sense to even think about making a play like that. I would have bought him steak dinner at Ruth's Chris this for a coming, week. This is coming from the man that tried to hold me up at second as I leg out a triple. Uh, hold you up? Absolutely. I've seen Come you. Come on. Run. Hold you base? up? You are a middle linebacker that carries a piano on his back. That is not true. On the bases, I am quick like a fox. <laughs> he would have been the one. Like if there was, there was like him and maybe one or two other guys on our team who would have even thought about you know trying to score from second on a sack fly. But that you know, like I said, as a coach. Like, and you know, like the aggressiveness is great. Like on the offensive side, like, yeah, I'm just all about it. But right. like in major league yeah. baseball, that it just shouldn't happen. But you're just, absolutely exactly. right. From a defensive <laughs> standpoint, it should never happen. Because yeah. he probably ran through a stop sign, which I totally get. And it's a spring training game. So who cares? That would have been Jesse. And, and, <laughs> and I get it. You're right. If you look at it from an offensive standpoint, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. But from a defensive standpoint, you can't allow that to happen. I don't. I don't care if it's Willie Mays Hayes on the base pass. You cannot allow a guy to score from second base. That is. I mean, you just uh, basically what sin. you're saying is you're allowing him to run faster than what the baseball can can go. Yeah. Yes. yes, and that's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, completely agree with you. Yes. So there's this thing that I saw the other night. I had heard about it, and I saw it for the first time in my <laughs> hotel room here the other night. It's called the Power Slap League. And it's two guys standing across from each other. And you know, Vince is, they smack the hell out of each yes, other. Yes, they do. And it's a sport. Yes. Have you guys ever watched it? Like, what do you what do you think about this whole concept? I, I've watched it before. <laughs> I've watched it too. <laughs> I have watched it. I don't watch it long because it like hurts to watch. Because these guys, number one. These guys are not small dudes, and I don't they got know. Skillet hands. I I don't know enough about the sport to know if it's like weight classed or whatever. But these are some big dudes, like two fifty plus, just smacking the crap out of each other. And most of the time, they knock them out, like mm-hmm. out cold. Yeah, there's guys there's behind them that's yes, got to be catching them. To catch them. There's <laughs> guys. Guy, I was watching the other night. <gasps> Every time he got hit, he would drop to the floor and then he gets up and he's wobbling around yes. it's like how is he not just completely concussed I have, <laughs> it is insane i got I a couple of questions one oh. what would it take you to do and two oh. would you want to be first or second because honestly if you go first and you don't knock him out i think that's worse <laughs> i think that's worse yes there is there isn't enough money in the world and like how their jaws remain intact there's not and it's like they get oh. like they get there's like a count where they they can say like three count or something like that where they can go one yeah two and then just <laughs> whack they can line the it guy. up. It is. I would have to have a, a like decent it. amount of Jameson in me to be doing something <laughs> like that. A whole bottle, so you can't like feel <laughs> your face. Are you kidding? Like people are like, oh, you know, would you take a take a punch from Mike Tyson or whatever? Like no. This is this this is along the same lines. <laughs> the way these guys smack the crap out of each other, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't have anything to do with it. No way. 
No way. I'd be out cold. Not a chance. Not a chance. Like 35 years ago, I was dumb enough that I probably would have done something <laughs> like this, especially, you know, when beverages <laughs> were part of the conversation. But I, there had to be, there, I, I don't see how there's not a mandatory you have to be drunk to do this. <laughs> I don't, I just don't I see how a normal, like sober person's like, yeah, let's go. Let's, let's get this, the crap smacked out of us and I'm going to smack you. And I did, I don't see it. I yeah. I mean, the it. whole reason it's a thing is because people have to watch it, right? Like that's, <laughs> I had a bunch of TBS for 35, you know, so it's like that would, that would help some of that whiplash <laughs> as well. I still had a wrestling neck back then. Gosh, this is nuts. Okay, last question for the night. John Rothstein from CBS Sports tweeted the other day that he once missed his friend's wedding a few years back to go to the Final Four. His friend was mad. And so my question is, have you guys ever missed a friend's wedding for a sporting event or vice versa? Like, has anyone, you know, like, did anyone miss your wedding? You know, like, any of those kind of things. Has this ever come up in your life? You're in the you're in the midst of like wedding season for your friends, aren't you, Jess? Like, yeah, that's it, right where you are. Be, uh, yeah, it's it's those are picking up for sure. I actually have one in like a month and a half to be See? at. Would you would you ever miss a wedding for a sporting event? Um, overall, I would say like ninety five percent no, but there is a five percent category where I think I would. It would weigh on me, and I I don't know what my ultimate outcome would be. I think if the Cowboys were in the Super Bowl, that would be the one <laughs> where I would probably not be able to do it. And if you're scheduling it on Super Bowl weekend, then then that's kind of your own especially problem. on a Sunday, you know, right? Like if you're scheduled, a, a but other than that, I just don't think there's because like baseball, there's seven potentially. You know, you have to go to at least four games. Um, I don't think like. Notre Dame, potentially a national championship, potentially, but I still hold the Cowboys a little bit higher in terms of, you know, where I would what where I would miss things for. Here's so. a different take from uh, Father David. I performed the ceremony and I want to miss some. <laughs> That's great. Good call. Sean, I don't know if you realize this because you and I share an anniversary, right? Right. The day that I got married. Okay, the day that I actually got married, which is August seventh, two thousand and four. Right. Okay. I'm to think of what would have been going on. Greg Maddox won his three hundredth game. Really? On my wedding day. <laughs> Did this become a thing? Uh, only in my own head because I wasn't <laughs> stupid enough to bring it up. <laughs> but oh, if you gave hey. me the option, I'm not sure. I, I might have picked the other. Like, I, if you gave me a ticket to that game. Mm. Um, but i mean there's things that would really conflict me and i'd have to i i'm not gonna say like i would sit there and think about it for a while i just go ahead no i was gonna say i would i i never missed a friend's wedding it would have to be a pretty major sporting event to miss a friend's wedding especially if like you're in the wedding like that kind of a thing yeah with technology these days you can watch the event there's a lot of things you can do but man that would have been tough that would have been tough. If it's an outside wedding, I'm just buying those like glasses and trying to watch like through my sunglasses or something. I don't I, know. I have a friend. This was many, many years ago, but he skipped out on another friend's wedding. And he was supposed to be in the wedding and just mm -hmm. decided he didn't want to be in it oh. and <laughs> didn't show up. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. I just realized, and I hadn't even thought about this. I just remembered 
that I missed my wife's brother's wedding because it was in like late October, early. It's, it was in the middle of football season. You had a game. And I, and it, it was, I had to work, you know, yeah. it's, it's not just like I want to go to the Notre Dame game. It's like, I have to work at this yeah. Notre Dame game. And see, that's the difference. It didn't go over well with my mother-in-law. Yeah, probably <laughs> not. Work, you know, it's what I get paid to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. And I, and it's, the the work thing is like kind of gives us an out if we had something along those lines right but, you know if they're a good friend like don't schedule it during football season like come on and that's i think that's what most people would like, say come on. like if you if you know someone well enough right and you want them to be in your wedding or whatever right <laughs> you should schedule around certain things correct absolutely yeah like if you're an NFL fan, you know, again, you generally don't have to worry about Sundays. It's Saturdays if you're a big college football fan. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today. Appreciate you for coming in and uh, appreciate everybody. We appreciate you guys for uh, braving the weather to yeah, get baby. to where you are. I'm punkered down. I am, I'm not going anywhere the rest of the night. Hunkered in. My wife, I can smell it. She's making homemade chocolate chip cookies right now. Ooh, congratulations. Still warm. I'm going to go get myself one of those and get myself fatter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, TD4ND, appreciate it. He said, great show, guys. Appreciate it. And again, appreciate everybody for showing up today. Hit the like button on your way out. Subscribe, rate, review, comment, all that great stuff. Hopefully, two more women's basketball games this weekend. Semifinal tomorrow. It'll be a noon tip-off. And uh, then if they win that, I think it is 1 o'clock. Let me see. I've got the bracket right here. Yeah, if they win tomorrow, they would play in the championship game at 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon. So we'll have that to chat a little bit about on uh, on Monday's show. Either way. Good luck against Louisville. Yeah, man. Boom. That's going to be a good game. I know you don't get to shoot at all, but uh, have a good call. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. We will talk to you uh, on Monday then, I guess. In the meantime, on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.